Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. And Clayton, we've got to do this pretty quick. Eric, we got we got to keep it moving because there's we got we're we got another podcast coming in at like yeah. two hours. Now we, oh man! We got oh, man! <laughs> Eric's really upset by this. <laughs> we uh, as we've been talking about the last few episodes, we have a new podcast in town. Uh, you know, uh, not com- just in town in, in our, our studio, studio. In, in our using studio. our microphones, coming in, messing up our settings and stuff. And this time. They told us, you know what? We've got to get in there right after you do. So you better you better wrap this up in time so that we've got a hard deadline. We can't just ramble around and talk about whatever we want because they're gonna they're breathing down our necks. It's just it's just So if so this podcast nice. episode is less entertaining, seems like it's hurried, it's bec- it's the fault of the Faith at Work podcast people. Yeah. Specifically. Have, have you have you been listening? I have listened to one. Yeah. And it's good. It is good. It's really good. But so, are you uh, not? When you said I've listened to one, is that like I'm not listening to them? <laughs> oh, like I listen to one and I'm not listening to <laughs> yeah. two? No, that's not what I meant. I just I've only listened to one. But I would also like to remind everybody that all of this is Clayton's fault, who was not satisfied <laughs> just being agree. a part of one podcast. Okay. He had to become Mr. Executive Producer and think of another podcast. And now. Our settings are being toyed with in the studio, and now we're being told that we have to get out at a certain time because of our Spawn podcast. <laughs> spawn <laughs> podcast. The Spawn. The Spawn are now telling us when we can and cannot uh, be in our podcast studio. God bless the Spawn cast. <laughs> and all of this is lovingly joking. Yes. Yes, we love yeah. them very much. We love Corey. We love Jen. We love their podcast. It really is a good podcast. If you haven't checked it out, it's called Faith at Work. You can find it on wherever you're listening to this podcast and on the church website. Yep. All right. So Clayton, what are we talking about today? We are in the book of Proverbs still. Uh, We are working through the wisdom literature over the course of the fall here. And we're smack in the middle of Proverbs, which means we are in the long list of sayings that are these kind of pithy, wise insights that um, don't necessarily have anything to do with the one that came before it or after it. So it might feel a little bit like a random list that we're reading. And so we kind of go about this in a slightly different way. Uh, Before we jump into things, though, let me remind you kind of how wisdom uh, literature works because it's slightly different than other parts of the Bible. Um, It's especially different than when we are talking about laws or commands in the Bible. So when you run across a law in the Bible, it is telling you something you must do. When you run uh, across a proverb in the Bible, a piece of wisdom in the Bible, it's telling you something you probably should do. So the difference is if you don't do what a law says, you're sinning. If you don't do what a proverb says, you're stupid. Okay. So that's the difference. Like one is living an obedient life. The other is living a wise life, a well-lived life. Uh, Both are really important because there are a lot of things in life that are not covered by the laws. Like if you kept all the rules, there would still be lots of decisions in life that you'd have to think through and figure out. So the wisdom is there to guide you in all of those things that the rules don't cover. And so it's a wide variety of things across all sorts of different stuff in life. And that's why uh, these books of Proverbs are really, really uh, helpful for us because we kind of get intuitions on how to live a, a good life. 
So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're in Proverbs chapter 18, and we did this on the previous episode uh, that we did on Proverbs, but what, each one of us is going to pick just one of the Proverbs here. We're not going to try to read the whole thing and talk about a bunch of them. We're going to pick just uh, one proverb, and we are going to talk about what the principle behind it is. We're going to talk about where it works and how we'd apply it, but also the limits of that, kind of the places where the you know the wisdom doesn't apply or it, it, it isn't uh, you know something that you should go to. Maybe you should do something different. Oh. Oh, here we go. Hold on. It's now time for your comma tip of the week. We're in Proverbs, and Clayton just said Proverbs is very different than other books of the Bible. And normally when you're following the Bible Savvy reading schedule, you tell yourself, well, today I need to read the entire reading. And so you look at the Bible Savvy reading schedule, and you read that entire reading. And then if you use the comma method, you're observing everything you've just read, you're making observations, and then you're moving on to narrowing that down to a message. And then uh, you meditate, you prayerfully think about it, and then you write an application. Proverbs are going to be a little different. We're still going to say you should read the whole reading that day, but then you should probably just narrow in on one verse and just think about that one verse. And that's what we're going to do today is we're just going to talk about one verse at a time. So while we're in the book of Proverbs, just remember the comma method gets slightly adjusted here. Do the whole reading in the Bible Savvy reading schedule, but then just go ahead and spend most of your time thinking about just one verse. And this has been your comma tip of the week. All right. Um, we are going to start with Nikki. Uh, in chapter yes. 18 here, what is the proverb that you want to look at? Well, I know Eric just said to f- narrow it down on one, um, but I'm actually going to pick two that I think like directly connect to each other. Okay. So uh, chapter 18, verse two, we're going to start with, it says, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Uh, And then if you jump down to verse 13, it says, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. So I thought the two are pretty closely connected. And to me, gosh, like to say that you find no pleasure in understanding is essentially saying like, I don't want to listen to you. I don't want to learn anything from you. I have no desire in empathizing with anyone. Um, All I want is to tell you what I think I know about everything in the world, even if I don't truly know um, as much as I admit that I do. Now, how, where do we see this? We see this in social media. We see this all over in the news. We see this in even our own homes. I mean, I, I, I like some of my friends, I love my friends, right? But like there, there are some things that people just kind of go off on tangents about and if you really sat down and think about it, they may not they may not have actually even done any kind of research about the topic. It's just off the top of their heads, this is what I think. This is what I this is what I get, and it's mostly what they gather around from media, from social media themselves, just looking through co- comment threads, uh, picking up on little, little tidbits here and there. And it's so hard um, to find a common understanding and common ground, something that's productive to create a productive conversation when people aren't listening and learning and empathizing with both sides of it. And then to answer before listening, that's folly and shame. Guys, I have done this more times than I would like to admit. Um, Specifically want to apologize to my mother. Um, (laughs) Like I'm a terrible kid with this, even to this day. Like I'll find myself having a conversation with my mom. I'll be like, yeah, look, I I got it. This is what, and she's like, that's, that is not what I was about to say. And I'm just like, okay. 
Oh, like you were answering yes, what like you thought I'm she was going to say. She was gonna Exa- say I, yes, exactly. I'm like, I got it all figured out. Don't worry, mom. I got it. You know what I mean? And then she's like, that's not what I was going to say. Like you, you know, completely misunderstood me. We haven't talked a lot about your parents on this no. podcast. We spent a good, better part of a whole year. It was like a theme for talking about Clayton's parents. We should maybe turn our attention to your parents mm. and dig into this relationship totally. a little bit, a totally. little bit more. <laughs> yeah. So, so to me, like those two connect because everything has to, to be a good human being is to listen and to learn and to empathize with people and to have the common decency to figure out how to have like pleasing, kind, generous conversations where both sides benefit. Yeah. I, I thought it's interesting what you said about people who uh, are spouting off an opinion about something they mean have only just like seen a few things online yes, or whatever. Yes, little things. I think it is so interesting how there's a lot of pressure today to have an opinion about everything. Yeah. Like it's not just that you say, you, you voice an opinion that's not well thought out. It's that you almost feel like you either have to or have the right to have an opinion mm-hmm. about anything that might be going on. And you know about a lot more things than people might have in the past. Yeah. And uh, it, w- it was really interesting. I was teaching a class a few weeks ago and someone asked the question. So we were talking about um, one of those things in the Bible where uh, Christians have different opinions about it. You know, some uh, no one knows like the definitive answer. It's not like Jesus is God. Well, there's one answer to that one. This is one of those things that, you know, you, you might not know, you know, might disagree with the person next to you. It's not that big of a deal when it comes down to it. And one person after I presented kind of, you know, here are the options that people have come up with. Someone raised their hand and they said, is it okay if I just don't have an opinion? Yeah. And I was actually kind of floored because most people are like, well, okay, now I see the three options. I'm going to pick the one I want. And what, for someone to say, is it okay to say, I just don't know. I, I it could, I, I haven't formed an opinion about that. And I don't feel like I need to express an opinion about that. And I was thinking, this woman is incredibly wise. Mm-hmm. Like what, like what insight to be able to say, do I have to feel that pressure? And I think more of us would do well to just say, I actually don't feel pressure to have an opinion about that thing. Yeah. Yeah, and even or even like to feel that 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 thought in the back of your mind, like, well, are people going to think I'm ignorant hmm. if I don't have an opinion? Yeah, like I'm not okay if people think like, well, you're not a very quote unquote smart person if you don't have an opinion about this, you know? Yeah, I'm trying to speak very little during this conversation <laughs> Ooh, so a, that by the time it. we get to the end of the podcast, everyone's like that, that Eric Ferris, he's so wise oh, oh, <laughs> setting you two up to be the fools in this problem. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, okay. I want to do a little biblical math here. Okay. Follow along and chip away at the error of this equation. Okay. In Proverbs, the whole, the whole book of Proverbs is set up as the wise person is the one that acknowledges there is a God and tries to align their lives with this God and the way he has set up the world to work. Okay, so the why, the generally speaking, the wise path is the one that acknowledges God. Generally speaking, the book of Proverbs is set up to say, the fool says there is no God, and so the fool just does whatever they want to do and does not acknowledge that there is a God and that there is a created order, the way things that were created to work. Okay, so the fool does not acknowledge there's a God. The verse you pick, Nikki, says fools, the mm-hmm. ones that don't acknowledge God, find no pleasure in understanding, but they delight in airing their own opinions. Mm-hmm. So here's the equation. If you're if you're encountering someone that just delights in airing their own opinions, then they are a fool, which means they do not acknowledge there is a God. At Therefore, least, at least in their actions, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Therefore, social media is godless. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Come out swinging right there. <laughs> Like, I'm like, where's he going with this? That's that's an Eric Ferris okay, special for that's you. A, there's, that's a biblical math equation. 
There is a lot of godless things that happen on social media. At, at the very least, social media entices you yeah. to that kind of foolishness, yeah. right? Like, it isn't necessarily that to express an opinion online is godless, mm -hmm. but the prevailing, like, culture of that mm -hmm. falls into something where it's like, this is this is not God-honoring, or this is yes. not... Uh, motivated by something godly. I think I think that would be fair to say in general. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't necessarily mean every particular expression of an opinion yeah. would be that way. But it, there's a very fine line, I think that when if you're trying to be if you're trying to have a productive converse, conversation about something on social media, there's a very fine line in which it can quickly cross and just get way out of whack. And it, it's very quick. And I don't I don't even know that people intend it. And then it's just sideways and you can't even get back. How do you guys know the difference between being the fool who just wants to make sure that everyone knows what you think and genuinely sharing your mm. opinion? So mm. this past weekend, I was, uh, I was on the East Coast with, with most of my family. Uh, I'm the youngest of five. So all my siblings were there, most of their spouses, a lot of our kids, my parents. And one of my sisters, we were sitting at the table and one of my sisters said, hey, what do you guys think about and brought up a cultural, relevant, current topic? Mm. I'm not going to tell you what it is because it's not the point. And I sat there. I'm like, oh, man. Like, I'm not saying anything in this <laughs> moment because you know how family is, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, I, this is going to be really interesting to see who shares what and who kind of holds their tongue. And uh, so what is the difference between just having to – let people know what you think and genuinely engaging and sharing your thoughts. Well, my, my first thought from this, the passage is whether or not you're willing to listen in that interaction, right? So there's like the, in the verse, verse 13 to answer before listening mm. is, is part of the description. Like it's not just answering as a problem. It's answering before listening. So you know, obviously you can't know everything about something, but there is a posture that says, before I formulate or express an opinion, I'm going to at least kind of hear what people are saying. I'm going to hear the facts. I'm going to hear, you know, kind of what, what's going on there. Like there's some learning that goes beforehand. So I think that's at least, it's a subjective kind of check, but whether or not you've spent the time to say, I'm really, I am actually receptive to, to seeing if maybe my instinct or my perspective on this isn't, isn't right and I need to hear somebody else's. Um, so I think that would be part of it. I also think there's something in disposition um, that will will tell you one way or the other. So uh, there, are, there are some people, like when we get those moments where we can step back and say, how do I actually normally behave? Some of us are people who say, reality, I'm, I find myself sharing my opinion a lot. Other people are people who say, I find myself holding my tongue. And, I, and after the fact, I realize I probably should have said something probably should, should have stood up for something. I probably should have interjected uh, a new thought into that. And, uh, but my instinct is to sort of uh, pull back. And I think knowing which way you fall is going to help you discern whether or not your desire to share something is foolishness or wisdom because the, the reserve person at least should know, hey, maybe you need courage more often than you have it. Uh, and your folly is the, is the fear of people um, that if you share something you need to share, it's, gonna, it's not going to be well received. So you don't say anything. Yeah, because I, I definitely think that there are some times when we need to speak up, but we don't because we are afraid. We are afraid of, of how we might be received. Uh, for me, it's similar to what he said, but it's that idea of empathy. 
is having this understanding of saying, okay, I have my own opinions, my own perspectives, my own beliefs about this particular thing. I'm going to enter into this conversation seeking to understand this other person and the perspective and maybe their experience with this. And then we're going to kind of try to to come together. And I'm going to try to find a way to productively share my opinion and perspective with them. I think that um, usually leads to, as long as the other person is receptive to it, that's the hard part, right? It usually leads to a pretty constructive conversation. I think anything done online, anything done from a from a keyboard or a phone, when you're putting something in a comment, even even sharing something in an email, there's no tone of voice. There's no facial expression. There's nothing that like can help a person convey a person's like emojis. Yeah, and that, <laughs> that's why they yeah. exist. Yeah. You just put that little poop thing there, and people <laughs> know exactly what you're that's, <laughs> that's the emoji you think of first. That's, I guess that's so. what he nice uses claim. all the time when he texts me. Um, <laughs> But I think I think that's the hard part is conversations like that, they need to happen in person. They need to happen with your voice and your and your facial expressions versus social media. It's so interesting that you're going down the road of empathy. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it wasn't even anywhere on my radar when yeah. I when I read this verse. That's an that's an interesting take on it. Well, that. I think I, to me, I think that's if if a person lacks empathy, they're going to be more willing to just spout out spot you know what talk out off the top of their head whatever they want whenever they want to because they're not worried about how it's going to come across or how it's going to affect the other person but if you are an empathetic person and you desire to build people up if you desire to understand and to share perspective and gain understanding and and learn from each other that's going to help like inform how you have conversations yeah the the key for to me in Proverbs 18.2 is the first half of it. Fools find no pleasure in understanding. You think how, how you gain understanding is by taking things in, mm-hmm. by listening to other people, by reading things. You're, you're getting information. You're getting perspective. You're getting knowledge that is outside of yourself. You're taking it in. Mm-hmm. And if you want understanding, you have to take more in. Mm-hmm. The fool just wants to air their opinion. They just want to make sure what's in them comes out. Mm. Yeah. Right? And so... That's that. That's the demonstration of you really don't care to gain understanding. You just want to make sure that what is already in you comes out instead of taking things in, which uh, I looked in the, the study notes of the NIV study Bible. It, it kicks you over to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse three, even as fools walk along the road, they lack sense and show everyone how stupid they are, right? It's the, <laughs> it's the, the, pers- the person that wants understanding is constantly taking things in, but the stupid person, the fool is constantly demonstrating stuff is coming out of them that shows you that they're a fool. Yeah. It's an interesting contrast. Yeah. That, that emphasis on curiosity and empathy. That's, I I did not expect that when we read that. That's, that's what's good about discussing these things. You, I think, I feel like you, you peel back layers. I, I personally find that this, uh, these proverbs that talk about this are really important for folks like us. Um, we get on stages and we get behind microphones and mm-hmm. we, uh, our job is to tell people things. Uh, so there's definitely a value for those of us who are, you know, handed a microphone to say, all right, make sure that you're being the sort of person who just doesn't just feel like I got something to say and people should listen to me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So a weirdness uh, to that. I was, I was in a church in Delaware once with my older brother and I, and I asked him, what do, what do you like about this church? What do you like, like about this preacher? And my brother said, his well is deep. 
And what he meant was, this guy has obviously got a prayer life. He's got a, a reading life. Like, he's not just up there saying shallow things. Yeah. Like, there's what he's saying is, is coming from a depth of understanding and a depth of spirituality, a depth of understanding the scriptures that he enjoyed listening to. Mm-hmm. And I think that's some of what this is speaking to. That's good. Yeah. All right, let's, let's go into another proverb, okay? Yeah. So, uh, this is the one that I picked out. It is uh, verse 14, and it says this. The human spirit can endure sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? And I, I, I was just drawn to this because I, I feel like the uh, distinction between kind of the external things of saying the circumstances of life may be really, really hard, but internally, there may be a strength that allows you to endure it. But if things are weak on the inside, um, it's going to be really difficult no matter what the external circumstances are. It's, it's, it's going to be hard to bear that. And there is this priority of um, when you are saying what kind of person is going to uh, thrive and do well and um, endure and um, come out on the other side of things. It is not as much about the circumstances, and it's more about what's going on in their heart, you know, what, what, what's uh, on the inside. Um, and so uh, I look at that, and I, I, I think that's so different than our instinctive uh, perspective of saying – I, I would, I'm going to be able to make it or I'm going to do all right if my circumstances got fixed up. Um, but to say, and we also think, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can actually handle it. And people often find themselves surprised to find out, you know what? The really difficult thing came into my life and I was better off than I thought, you know, that, that I was able to endure. I was able to uh, persevere in those things more than I imagined I would have been able to. Um, and it, it often comes from what had been uh, built up on the inside. So um, I find it an intriguing proverb because it's, uh, it goes against the grain of at least <laughs> kind of day-to-day hopes that we have, you know, about circumstances. Yeah. I think, I think also we focus so much as Americans, Westerners, on the physical, like I think most of us, even though we wouldn't say it like this, we, we our behavior reveals that we think the physical is more real than anything else. We think the physical is more real than the spiritual. We think the physical is more real than the emotional, more, more real than the, the mental. So the things we can touch, see, smell, we think are more real than the things we can't do, those, do that to. But this proverb, well, the human spirit can endure sickness. So if you're physically sick, you can get past that. But the more real thing, the more dangerous thing is if you are emotionally or spiritually crushed. That's that's a more dangerous, more real thing. Yeah, I think like for me, similar to what Eric was just going to say, is this idea of um, mental, emotional, uh, spiritual, like what does a crushed spirit look like? And it could look like that. It look it can look like something different for everyone. Um, I think of like um, mental health, right? Like um, anxiety, right? Depression, um, even addictions, right? Like what are the things that tap into our mental and our emotional well being and ho- are holding us kind of captive? Those are the things that. Uh, I think people go, oh, well, I'm, I mean, I'm a healthy person. I'm, a, I'm okay. My, you know, my body's in good condition. But what about everything that's internal? Uh, and then that goes with your heart. Like, what is it that you are taking in? What are you listening to? What are you reading? What are you watching? That's having this very 
bad effect on your heart and your body, your mind. You just don't know it. And you, you, you may feel like this unsettling feeling inside of you, but you don't know that you're unhealthy. You don't know that you have a crushed spirit. Hey, check this out. The interconnectedness between the physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual. So if you go to the study notes on this proverb, it kicks you over to a few other proverbs. Listen to the, listen to the connection between these. Uh, this is Proverbs 17.22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, mm. but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And then Proverbs 15.13. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. Hmm. The interconnectedness between your physical body, mm-hmm. your emotional self, uh, and wh- which is more real. I, I would I would tend to, well, let me just ask you guys. You could either break your arm or be depressed for a month. Which would you choose? Gosh, I... <laughs> I've done both. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would probably be more inclined to breaking my arm. Because it's a physical thing that can be mended pretty pretty easily. Uh, with depression, I don't know where else it would lead. Like I don't know how I've you know I've never been like uh, not to say I've never been, but maybe not for like a long period of time. I have no idea what kind of effects it would have on me for a long period of time. That's scary to think about. Yeah, I I mean I think the the physical one is the is more clear cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the, the reality is <laughs> we, when we look, think about our circumstances, we think about, oh, I'd be sick or I was injured or I, you know, I had to wear a cast all that time. Um, the thing we're actually dreading is not so much the physical pain. Like it's the, it's the way it makes us feel like it's the, it's the effect that that has on us. We assume that that circumstance is going to be something that deflates us. You know what I mean? We assume it's something that's going to rob us of joy. It's something, you know, like, but it isn't necessarily true that your circumstance does that. Um, and and I think most of us have, have had experience where things went wrong and we realized in the midst of it or on the other side of it, there were some, some new joys and new blessings were revealed. That isn't always the case, but we haven't, most of us have had enough of those experiences to know it's still possible when the the, the physical happens. The hard part, here's here's where I feel like I bump against this. Sometimes it's not, um, you know, the, the inside is so strong, it doesn't matter what happens on the outside. Uh, sometimes the external circumstance is what crushes your spirit, uh, especially when it goes, you know, this is talking about enduring sickness. I, I've known people where they say, I just didn't know how hard it was going to be. You know, I got, the, I got a diagnosis and it became a chronic thing that lasted for years or the rest of my life or... You know, it was a terminal illness and I knew I had 18 months to live or whatever. Um, Sometimes it surprises people how much that that like saps them of spiritual vitality, Um, not because they weren't active or whatever, but just because those things are hard and they're different than you expect. Um, So that's where that's where it gets hard. I think about people who lose a loved one. And grief is just surprising sometimes, you know, uh, surprising both in how much you can endure and how hard it is. And so it's just a, it's just a messy thing, you know? Yeah. But my answer to my own question is snap my arm, snap the other one, snap my legs too. Before, before you start crushing my spirit, Yeah, I would, I would much rather have, have a physical injury. It's a better story too. 
Well, it just depends. What happened to you? Well, yeah. I didn't want to crush spirit, so I had him break my arm. <laughs> <laughs> I was walking down the street, and someone told me, crush I'm either going to crush your arm. spirit or crush your arm. All right, All Eric, right. what's your verse? We're, what running, we we're, we're running out of time. And of course, the Faith at Work podcast is probably, here they're they, probably, here they come. they're standing at the door looking through the little rectangular window in the door, wagging their finger at us. It's not true. I made all of that up. All right, 1816. A gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. What this is describing is bribes work. <laughs> Respond. <laughs> That's the principle. Bribes work. A gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. Wow. Okay. So here's the here's the immediate question that comes to mind. Is this is this recommending that we bribe people to get access to power hmm. or or whatever it is we want? Maybe it's suggesting that it's good to have connections with people in high places. Yeah, but how you get them? You grease some palms, you know? Yeah, I guess. And I, I guess I did not even, when I read that, I didn't look at that as a bribe. That's a, that's pretty cool. <laughs> well, I, yeah, okay, you can soften it. You can soften it a little from what the way Eric interpreted it and say, look, uh, gifts, they, they make people, they make connections and they, they make people dispose to you. But I also know there are other proverbs that outright use the word bribe. Um, Eric, do you, you, you're, you've got a study Bible in front of you. Do, are there cross references to yeah, this? Yeah, let me look here. 15, Proverbs 15, 13. Let me look this one up. It said, nope, that's not right. Give me give me a second. Keep talking. Clayton. All right. Say, say smart things. So, oh, gosh. Um, so here, here is one thing to understand. I think we're going to, as we as we look at these, these verses, there is a difference between prescriptive and descriptive verses in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And usually when we talk about that, we're talking about um, narratives, right? Narratives just say what happened, not what ought to happen. There is something similar in certain wisdom literature, where what wisdom literature is doing is trying to give you an understanding of how the world works so that you know how to respond to it, how to, how to navigate it. So a lot of times, Proverbs and, and wisdom takes the form of here's how you ought to act. But there are some times when it's simply describing the way things work or the way things typically work. And so sometimes things like rich people get what they want will come out in a proverb and you're like, so does that mean like, you know, well, what does that mean? You know, it's, well, no, it's just how it works. Rich people get what they want or a bribe gives you, gets you a door, you know, a gift will soften someone up. Like those things are sometimes descriptive, not necessarily telling you in any circumstance, you should bribe someone. It's just saying bribes are a thing and they work. Yeah. Okay. So the study notes, if you start bouncing around in the study notes to different Proverbs that talk about the same topic in Proverbs 21, 14, a gift given in secret soothes anger and a bribe concealed in the cloak pacifies great wrath. So this is the whole, you got pulled over by the cop, you give him a bribe, you don't get a speeding ticket. Uh, Or chapter 17, verse eight, a bribe is seen as a charm by the one who gives it. They think success will come at every turn. And so once again, this is describing human behavior that people often think of bribes as the thing that I will use, a charm, to get out of any situ- bad situation or get into any situation that I, I want to be in. So could you almost take it too? if you're the person constantly receiving gifts from people, like... It's like a warning, like, hey, there's a bunch of people that are trying to bribe me right now. Like, why is everybody giving me gifts? Why is everybody trying to be so nice to me? Like, yeah. 
There, there is something to that. So I know uh, in certain professions, they will say, you are not allowed to receive gifts. Um, I, I, was, I was talking to someone who had recently had to go through, uh, they were uh, rehabbing a house and they had to go through an inspection. And it was like a lot of jumping through hoops and the people in the office, they had to do a ton of different things. And, um, and he had felt like, hey, the, we, it kind of was a tense situation. So when it was all said and done, he bought them donuts and brought that to the office. So the, the inspection was done. Nothing was needed to be done. But the person at the desk said, officially, we are not allowed to take that. Mm-hmm. We're not allowed to take the donuts. Now, it couldn't have been a bribe because the transaction was already completed. But just as a principle, they said, because we make decisions about things like whether or not someone can rent a home or whatever, uh, we can't take gifts because we don't want to ever be accused of being influenced by that rather than something objective. Hmm. So there, there is uh, some some uh, uh, wisdom to that. To saying if you're the person getting gifts, uh, do you do you gotta you gotta be more objective. You gotta think about yeah. it. You don't want to be deceived by that. Right. I also think okay. So this there's a, there's some cultural factors in this that my I, I don't know. I'm just some of this is uh, speaking from limited experience. So I'm chastened by the previous proverb as I say this. Um, but there are uh, other cultures where gift giving is a more common thing. And it is a way of cementing social bonds. So uh, really simple level, you go over to someone's house, you bring a gift. You know, some cultures are, are like that as opposed to, you know, you're kind of getting something from the people that are your host. You're giving something to your host. Um, there are times when uh, simply as a way to sort of forge a, a partnership or an alliance, you know, there's a there's a, a, an exchange of gifts that goes on with that. And so um, in many ancient cultures, the way you sort of built up those bonds that w- were... Um, the things that would come and protect you later, you know, this is a person that I uh, have some friendship and closeness with. So when I'm in need, they're going to be there for me. Some of that comes from the the exchange of gifts and even the sort of saying, hey, I'm giving you this gift, knowing that probably in the future, you're going to have my back on something. Hmm. And that wasn't necessarily seen as underhanded all the time. But the Bible does warn in cases like, um, you know, judges not taking gifts and bribes and things like that. So it kind of goes both ways, but there are some cultural things. In chapter, I'm back to chapter 17, verse eight, where it says a bribe is seen as a charm by the one who gives it. They would think success will come at every turn. Once again, down to the study notes, it sends you to another proverb where it puts the giving of bribes in a very negative category, like the act, the act of the fool. Uh, but then it also points out that bribes are condemned in Exodus, Deuteronomy, First Samuel, Ecclesiastes, Isaiah, Amos, and First Timothy. So just because Proverbs 18, 16 is indicating to us gift giving and bribes do work. It's not necessarily the behavior of the wise person, the one who acknowledges God. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So there we are, the last of the Proverbs, but here's my question. All three of those Proverbs, how would you apply them, Eric? Hmm. Okay. So the first proverb was about listening before speaking. So both of you listen while I speak. (laughs) And the second proverb was about a crushed spirit. So both of you listen while I speak that I have a crushed spirit that we are getting hurried out of our podcast studio for the Faith at Work podcast. You want to come in and record theirs. Um, So perhaps I will use a bribe to buy us more time in the podcast studio. How about that? Good call. How about a meditation on that? 
You want to give everyone a, for, all the forty five seconds? Forty five seconds, everyone. <laughs> listen, think about this. <laughs> Maybe you should wrap this up, Nikki. Uh, all right. Thanks for listening this week, friends. Join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule. In the meantime, if you're not following along, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download the plan and to start reading. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends and we'll talk to you next week.